chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. We'll be reading there in a moment. Um, so earlier this week on Monday, we had CPR training at work. And uh, it was, of course, exactly what it sounds like. So we can administer CPR on somebody in the event that they're having a heart attack or they're unresponsive. Um, and during this training, the, the instructor told a story that really kind of struck me uh, to be an amazing story. I don't know if this part is for certain. I think she was even local to the Tri-Cities. I'm not positive on that detail because he talked about it a lot. But um, ultimately what happened is this woman, um, her husband had a heart attack and became unresponsive. She had no idea what to do. She called 911. She was terrified. She was unknowledgeable. And she was uh, unable to even understand the instructions that she was receiving through the 911 operator. The, the operator themselves was not uh, very clear with their instructions. And she found herself sitting by her husband's side as he died from this heart attack. Uh, there's a good chance that CPR, if performed on her husband properly and quickly, could have saved his life. However, in this situation, she lacked the knowledge necessary to keep her husband's heart beating, to keep the blood flowing to his brain, uh, and to keep him from passing away. But from this tragic event, this woman, she made a decision. And her decision was that no, as few people as possible would have to go through what she went through. She went through training to, uh, on, on how to administer proper CPR. She went through uh, training on how to teach CPR. And beyond that, she became a 911 operator so that she could give people in their moment of crisis instructions over the phone on how to give CPR. And through her instructions, she helped many people perform effective CPR over the phone on loved ones and keep them alive just as she herself was unable to do. And our trainer went on to play a 911 audio clip of that very woman instructing another woman on how to give CPR to her husband who was uh, having a heart attack, another panicked woman who had no clue what she was doing. And because of that effectively administered CPR, her husband is alive and well after that phone call. You see, she made a decision that no one, if she could have the power, would go through what she went through. That if she was able to spare another person of the same pain that she had to once endure before, that she would do that. You see, our experiences in life, both good and bad, can be similar for us as Christians. That as we go through things in life, we can learn from our experiences and use that learning experience in our life to guide people who go through similar things, who go through the learning experiences that we've already been through. That in our, in our life, we can use it as a guide for other people and help them to avoid the same pain or growing pains that we once had to experience. And likewise, we ourselves can learn from older, more experienced saints uh, on how to navigate our Christian life through the examples and experiences and through learning and through leading. So let's read our text tonight. 
First Peter chapter 5, verses 2 through 3, which says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not uh, domineering over those who, who, sorry, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. This evening, I'm going to preach a sermon I've entitled Lead, uh, Learning and Leading. Let's pray. Father God, help us tonight. Lord, let your spirit, God, touch each person in this place. God, let us hear from you this evening, Lord, not by my words, God, or what I have to say. Father, I, I ask, Lord, tonight that your spirit would help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So first, I want to talk about our experiences. And hard experiences in life are inevitable. It is something that we will encounter. We will have our stories. We all have stories to tell. Some that we love to tell and some that we hope we never have to tell. And Jesus states clearly that there are troubles in the world and troubles in the world for the worldly. In John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace and in the world uh, in the world you will have tribulation but take heart i have overcome the world jesus is talking about the struggles that come with worldly activities with the struggles of the world that in the world you will have tribulation which is basically another world for trials and troubles and difficulties You see, but Christians are not exempt from hard times either. Anybody who's been saved for longer than a week realizes that life isn't hunky-dory after you get saved. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 says, After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Now, this is, of course, a beautiful verse, but the focus here for, for tonight is the very beginning. After you have suffered a little while, he wouldn't write this if there was no suffering, <laughs> right? The, me the men and women of God are going to go through some difficult things. Trials will come. But the biggest difference between trials of the world and trials of Christians is that there are wonderful promises from God that are promised to those who suffer for his sake. But really what it comes down to, what ultimately defines us is not the trials that we endure, but how we respond to those trials. Our text in verse 3 speaks of being an example to the flock. We lead by example from present into the future, but also by using our past for the gain of other people's futures. You see, the woman in, in the illustration tonight lost her husband, and undoubtedly she was not the first person ever to lose her husband to a heart attack, right? She's not unique or special in that way. She's not the first person to lose someone that she loves to such a tragedy. She's not the first person to have to go through what she went through and have no clue what to do to help her husband. But her story is really not about what happened, but how she responded to what happened. How she responded to the tragedy that took her husband's life. And now how she has impacted the lives of others because of her response to that tragedy. You see, her story is not about 
what she went through, but how she responded to what she went through. And also her story is about the people who she has helped thereafter, the people who still have their loved ones because of her knowledge and wisdom that she gained, that she felt the burden to, uh, to apply to her life to benefit others. And the same is true for us in the church. Hebrews 13, 6 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. We read texts like this and we think like, oh, you know, somebody's hungry, so I share half my lunch with them at the dinner table. Well, yeah, I mean, that applies here. But sometimes what we have is wisdom. Sometimes what we have is knowledge from our experiences, lessons learned from our darkest of times. And sometimes what we need is to learn from those who have the wisdom, to, to learn from those who have navigated life, the situations that we find ourselves in. And sometimes it takes a little bit of humbling to be able to do that, to be willing to learn from those before us. You see, in the Christian walk, there is a lot that we can learn from those who went before us. Our text... Um, in tonight in first peter chapter 5 verse 5 says likewise you who are younger be subject to the elders clothe yourself all of you with humility towards one another for god opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble this is talking about a willingness to clothe yourself in humility by making yourself subject to the elders so in other words like being willing to take instruction <laughs> being willing to take advice and guidance from people. And the, this text talks about elders, and of course the traditional uh, term for the word means somebody who's older than you, but in the church it can also mean people who, who are um, older in their faith, so to speak, who have uh, spiritually been around a while, things like that. It can apply both ways, uh, but not always just for somebody who is older than you, although it does apply there. Older people have more experience. That's just the truth, right? They've been through more. But this is speaking of spiritual age and physical age and maturity and things that we can learn from people who have gone through things before us. You see, Peter is writing to us that we might be willing to learn from people who have already learned what we're going through. You see, many times, myself included, we can tend to be kind of stubborn and prideful, unwilling to ask for help or to accept help when it's giving, given to us, as if like we insist on, on making the blunders on our own. Like, like there's people who are wiser and smarter than us who have been through some things, and we're like, nah, I got it. <laughs> Why do we insist on, on having the scars that other people already have that can show us how to avoid them? You see, Peter is warning us to heed to the knowledge and wisdom of those who have experienced life. And there's a lot of people who have experienced life. There's those who know the Word, the, the Scriptures. Knowing the Scriptures can help you through a lot of situations in life. There's people who have been around the block a time or two. They've seen some things. They've experienced some things. But one thing that's true for every one of us in this room... And it's true for everybody in every room, except for maybe one person in the whole world, is that there is always someone who has more experience and knowledge than you do. 
There is always someone who we can learn from. And maybe not in life on a broad spectrum, you know, always someone who's been through more than you. But there is always someone case by case, situation by situation, that knows a thing or two about what you're going through, about what you're up against. The question is, according to our text, is can we humble ourselves to learn from them? It's like the legendary story of the army troop in, in, on the battlefield, and they're navigating um, this minefield. Many of you guys have probably heard this story before. And as they approach the minefield, the captain who was leading the platoon has been through this minefield before. He's studied the map of where all the mines are, and he tells his troops, he says, Listen, every place my foot goes, your foot goes in the exact same spot or you will die. That's the instructions. He, so he goes through this minefield in a single file line and each person behind them, they're watching carefully where the foot in front of them lands. So they step in the same spot because they understand something about this minefield. If they get their own ideas, <laughs> right? And sometimes our life experiences are that explosive. Sometimes our life experiences can be that difficult, that touchy, but yet we refuse to seek help. We refuse to seek guidance. You see, as we approach minefields in life, we can benefit from seeking counsel of those who have wisdom on how to navigate minefields. I guarantee you not a single person in that platoon thought, Captain, he knows everything, doesn't he? I should be the captain. No. Every single one of them wanted to not get blown up. And so they followed the guidance that would keep them alive. You see, whether it be learning for you or learning for the people who can guide you, wisdom to navigate our lives as Christians comes from three places. The first one is wisdom from experience. Good old experience. Learning on the job. Proverbs chapter 1 describes the purpose of passing on wisdom uh, before the beginning of a book that is full of wisdom. So Proverbs, of course, as you know, is 31 chapters of wisdom, basically. It's 31 chapters of do's and don'ts, this and that. If you act this way, you're like this. If you act this way, you're not like that or whatever. But the very first few verses of the book describe the whole purpose of the book. And it is so that we can gain wisdom. Verses 1 through 6, Proverbs chapter 1, which says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and dis uh, discretion to the youth, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. You see, these verses state not only the purpose of this book of wisdom to teach others, but also makes a true statement in verse 5. Verse 5, I'll read it again, says, Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance. It says that the wise will hear and increase in learning. People, uh, wise people are the first people to admit that they, don't, that they have a lot to learn, that they don't have it all figured out. You see, the wise person will hear, but the fool will say, I don't need to hear it. I know what I'm doing. 
Wisdom is found in humility and a willingness to be taught. Some people say, I'm wise, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> right? And in a minefield, that, 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 that explosion might have some, some spray damage to the people around you. Proverbs continues to say that such thinking is the opposite of wisdom, and it is foolish. Verse 7 from chapter 1 says, Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and destruction. I'm sorry, and instruction leads to destruction. Say that. <laughs> fools despise wisdom and instruction. They believe they don't need any help. They're wise in their own eyes. You go out into the world and try to tell people, hey, you need Jesus. They're like, nah, I got life figured out. But meanwhile, they're crying themselves to sleep every night. Proverbs 26, verse 12 says, Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. And so he's basically saying, you see a man who's wise in his own eyes. Those are probably the only eyes he's wise in. So the first one is experience, and then two is wisdom from Scripture. And of course, this goes a lot in uh, basically the, 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 the whole thing front to back is, is we're sharing Scripture right now. We're covering Scripture so that we can learn and so that we can gain wisdom from the Word of God. This applies to effectively my whole sermon, right? Scriptures contain knowledge and wisdom on how to navigate life correctly the first time. Imagine that. Like we, we've all been there where we make the same mistake time and time again and we're like, what am I doing wrong? And then we read something in the Bible. We're like, oh, okay. Wish I knew that the first time, right? A knowledge of scriptures can help us navigate these minefields correctly the first time. And it's knowledge and wisdom that is available to all of us. That's the beautiful part about it, that, that we, every single one of us has one of these in our house, at least one. Some of us probably two or three or four, I've got probably ten. Not to mention, I've got this thing that has like hundreds of them in any translation or language I could ever dream of. We're kind of spoiled Christians. We have an endless fount of wisdom and knowledge in my palm right here, understanding that I could never come up with on my own, wisdom that I could never come up with on my own, and instruction on how to guide, on how to navigate life that I could never come up with on my own. And this knowledge and wisdom is available to all of us. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17 tells us that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. This is the answer. To what? Yeah. <laughs> to what? Everything. It's not an old, outdated book. It's not, uh, it's not useful for some generation some time ago. You read the Word of God and you will learn how to navigate life today in 2023. In 2024, should the Lord tarry. In 2025 and decades beyond, until Jesus Christ comes back, this book is good. The Bible is a never-ending source of wisdom for us, even to this day. And this is a large reason why we preach the Word of God, right? We don't do this just for kicks and giggles. We do it, we, you know, you get those, those groups of people who get together and they, they read like, you know, Lord of the Rings and, and Harry Potter and they get into all the lore and the background and stuff like that. And, 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 and yeah, I just use a nerd word, lore. 
They get the, 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 or, you know, because a lot of this stuff, if you don't know, if you're not nerdy enough to know, like there's the books and then there's the books about the books and then there's the book about that book that tells you everything about the people in the book. And it gets pretty intense with some of this stuff. And these people get together and they study it, right? Because it's so fascinating to them. We get together and we study the word of God. Yeah, it's fascinating, but it's because we realize that we desperately need the information that's in here. Ain't nothing from the Hobbit ever changed my life. But the word of God has. I love Lord of the Rings, by the way. I'm not knocking on that. But this is why we do what we do. Not because we're like, oh, this is a neat book. Let's, let's read it together. But because it changes our life. It gives us instruction in our life. It shows us how to navigate life. Psalms 119, verse 98. King David writes, your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. And then in verse 105, he says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Your word, God, gives me an advantage over my enemies. Right? That's a good one. Like, we, sometimes we tend to think like, oh, enemies, like I don't have anybody who's trying to kill me. Well, you do, actually. <laughs> you do. You have a very real enemy who's going after your soul. And you might even have real enemies in real life. They might not be trying to kill you, but they might be trying to take your job or your money or, or whatever. They're out there. And, and King David says, your word gives me an advantage over my enemies. Some of us go, all right. That's, that's a good thing. Your word helps me navigate. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. I can see where I'm going. I talked about this same verse this morning. Y'all are thinking I'm reusing verses. It just goes that way sometimes. I can see where I'm going and why I'm going there. I can see my feet and where I'm walking. I need your word to guide me. It is a necessity for us. So we can get wisdom from experience. We can get wisdom from the word of God. And three, we can get wisdom help from the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12-13. It says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truth to those who are spiritual. The spirit can give us guidance and wisdom in the moment of life. That as we're navigating things and we have a decision right before us, like there's no phone a friend. We, we don't have our Bible on us, right? And the Spirit says, go left. Go right. Like it's not, literally, I'm not talking about left or right. Like, I can't remember which way to turn. I'm talking about choices, decisions in life. That, that when we have a relationship with God, when His Spirit is within us, we can hear that still small voice that says, you don't want to go that way. You don't know what pain is waiting for you that way. You don't know what blessing is waiting for you this way. That His Spirit can speak to the heart of our hearts, that we, that we know what to do, even though it doesn't make sense to us. You got, have you ever experienced that? I pray that you do someday if you haven't, that, that you're like, I don't really know what's a... Okay, this just... I don't know why. This just seems... And then it works out, right? And then you're like, okay, thank you, God. <laughs> That's what the Spirit can do for us. Sometimes you make decisions like that and you have no clue what God spared you of. You're just like, I just know that God wanted me to. Like, there's been times where, where, where we're like, okay, we're going to go to this place and we're going to do this thing, right? And then all of a sudden I'm like, 
we're not going to do that. I don't know why, but we're not going to do that. And then you just feel this peace about it. And I have no clue what was waiting for us there, but we didn't go to find out. Praise God for that. And even more importantly, perhaps, is that the Spirit can remind you of the Word of God itself. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 26, He says, But the Helper, the Helper is another word for the Holy Spirit, uh, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit will supernaturally bring things to our mind, even if you have a bad memory like me. And this has been a ver- this verse right here has been a very real experience for me in my life. I can you can say something to my face, and two seconds later, I will completely forget what you said. That's just the truth. But the Holy Spirit will bring so much of the Word of God to my mind that I know it ain't me. My brain's messed up, but the Holy Spirit will be like, yeah, that verse. Yeah, that one. Yeah, I did read that. (laughs) You see, but the tricky part about this is you can't bring anything to your remembrance if you haven't heard it. This makes going back to reading the Word of God even more crucial. That the Holy Spirit can bring scriptures to your mind, but He's not going to bring scriptures to your mind that you haven't read, that you haven't heard, that haven't been spoken to your heart. So when we live our life seeking God and accepting wisdom from those with knowledge and experience, when we read the Word of God and we rely on the Holy Spirit, we can navigate the things that life brings us. You see, for me as a pastor, I've experienced a lot in life, but there's also a lot that I haven't experienced. But through the wisdom of scriptures and through the wisdom learned from those before me, like my pastor and close friends of mine who I rely on, I can lead and guide people through situations that I've never been in because of that wisdom that I've gleaned from my own experiences and other people's experiences. And through the scriptures and through the help that I desperately need from the Holy Spirit. If I had a dollar for every time I spouted off a scripture to somebody in need that I never could have remembered on my own, I'd have a few bucks. It's not because of me. It's not because I'm so smart and I got the Bible memorized. Most of the time I say, oh yeah, the Bible says this. I think it's in this book. <laughs> it's right? Like, like God just brings just enough to my mind to help somebody, but not enough to where I can stay humble. <laughs> but if we cling to these sources of knowledge we can become more and more equipped to help those, to help others learn and navigate life for themselves. And then comes our willingness to guide those who come after us, to help people who who go through the things that we've been through. You see, we can seek help when we come into life, but can we help people when they come into life? You see, we've all been through some things. We all have different stories, but we've all been through some things. The question is, are we willing to take those things, the lessons we've learned from from scriptures, from our life experiences, and bless other people with that knowledge so that they don't have to get the scars that we have? You see, from knowledge and from scripture, we can gain this by reading the Word of God, right? That's a simple solution for that one. As we mature in our walks and as we gain more knowledge of scripture, that's more knowledge and wisdom that we can share with other people. Our text tells us that we should willingly shepherd the flock. That means, like, be willing to to help people out. 
be willing to guide people along when we can. To lead people in their walk in Christ. Just as I said, there will always be somebody who knows more than you. There will always be somebody who needs the knowledge that you have. Never underestimate your experience, the knowledge that you do have. You might not be, you know, the, the smartest person on your block. But God has something in your brain that can bless somebody else. I mean, for some of us, it comes easier than others to, to be that person, to talk to people and to help people and to say, you know, you know, brother, you know, sister, the word of God says this or, or whatever. And other people, it's a process. Learning to be, have patience with people, learning how to communicate with people, that we may be examples to the people around us. And then there's the stuff that we've learned from experience. Young and old, we all have experience in something or another. And it's easy to share our testimonies of our God-given success and blessing. Like, we love to come up here and be like, yeah, you know, I, I was going through this, and then all of a sudden I got $10,000, and woohoo! and then everybody's like, yeah, you know. It's easy to share those stories, and those stories are amazing, and, and they're crucial to share. Testifying of God's glory and His blessing, that's an important part. Don't think I'm downplaying it. But can we guide people through the storms and trials that we've been through? From the lessons that we've learned, perhaps the hard way. Maybe we didn't exactly come out unscathed. Maybe they were even tragic. Maybe we didn't navigate it correctly at all, and we didn't learn how we should have done it until it was all over with. You see, this woman I talked about at the beginning of my sermon probably remembers that day that she lost her husband as the worst day of her life, and rightfully so. Nobody would blame her for categorizing it that way. But because of what happened that day, she made a choice and her decision was that as few people as possible would have to go through what she went through if she could do anything about it. Can we view our tragedies that way? Can we turn our tragedies into testimonies? Can we turn our tragedies into lessons to spare other people the pain that we had to endure? You see, the gospel is truly about love and sparing of wrath. That's what the gospel is for us. Jesus Christ loved us so much that he became sin so that we could be saved. That we could be spared from the wrath of our own sin, of our own choices. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, speaking of Jesus Christ, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Our only hope of navigating life into eternal life is through Jesus Christ. That it is His love for us that spared us the, the experience of our sin. And likewise, our text tells us to lead people through our experience so that they may learn from our example instead of the hard way that we may have learned, instead of going through it the difficult way that we may have gone through it. And as painful as it can be to use our past to benefit other people's future, it is a ministry that comes with eternal blessing. From our text tonight, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 2-4, through 4, says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, 
not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in, in your charge, but being examples to the flock. In verse 4, And when the chief shepherd, that's Jesus, appears, you will receive an unfading crown of glory. What a promise. An unfading crown of glory. This is speaking of eternal rewards. You see, this is more than salvation. This is rewards in heaven that Jesus talks about. And people tend to, to misunderstand texts like this. Matthew chapter 16, verse 27. Jesus said himself, For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and he will repay each person according to what he has done. Repaid? What does that mean? Jesus is talking about rewards in eternity. Treasures in heaven. We already know our salvation is not earned, right? It, it says repaid for what he has done. We didn't do anything to earn our salvation. No matter what we do, we can't earn our salvation. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9 lays it out for us. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. But yet we see that we have rewards in heaven based off of the work that we did in His name and His glory. Not our salvation. That's by the blood of Jesus Christ. But our text tells us, it says, But being examples to the flock, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. I don't know what that crown looks like, but I want one. Right? I, I don't know the significance or, or, or what the rewards in heaven will really be like for us as an experience, but I can tell you this, if it's a reward and it's in heaven, I want it. <laughs> right? It's, there's a lot of things in life that we want, like we want the, the, the Camaro or whatever, and it's like the rewards of the world. But that crown in heaven is going to beat the snot out of any car he could drive down the street. You see, our life lessons can be turned into blessings for others in life. That we can use what we've been through and minister to people that come after us. Our life lessons can be also turned into unfading rewards in eternity. Where moth and rust can't destroy. Where everything that is there is of eternal value. And we can use our life lessons to help people and to glorify our Lord. Can I have every head bowed and every eyes closed this evening?